Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. And welcome to Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. On this show, we talk about how complicated healthcare is. I like to liken it like a 30,000 piece puzzle and like to hear from our guests what is their expertise. I feel like they all kind of hold on to one of those puzzle pieces. And I'm like, how can we learn from you? And how can we just like share our knowledge so see we can see the bigger picture with a little bit more clarity? So if you wouldn't mind, could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and tell me about your place in the healthcare ecosystem. Absolutely. So my name is Katie Allen, and I'm here representing Bounteous, which is a digital experience organization or company. We work really closely with health payers, providers, pharmaceutical companies to really bring the patient and the member into the center of the work that we're doing. We love to say that we're designing solutions for them with health outcomes in mind and really trying to move them closer to like the communities that they serve. Okay. In large part, you're talking about these puzzle pieces, but really in large part to kind of shift the way we think about how we engage with healthcare in this country to long-term sustained engagement versus episodic care where you go to the doctor because you have a sore throat or for an annual physical, especially for people who are managing like real chronic conditions and disease. Do you guys have a solution for that? Because that's a huge deal. We actually, (laughs) we don't have a solution. I would say one of the things that we do really really well is we're a connector and we're connectors of experiences across like health organizations overall, which are very disparate and siloed. And we also bring to that like enabling the technology and interoperability that will support those connections. But also we're major, I think of us as like great connectors across the healthcare ecosystem and the community as a whole and trying to help our clients think about partnerships across that ecosystem that can really facilitate that kind of engagement, kind of like get out of the box that they're currently in. I mean, that's something I think about all the time is like you identify all the dots, Mm -hmm. try to connect them and then see what picture comes up from it, right? Yes, exactly. That's like my very elementary way of thinking about it. And I'll give you like a good example. We have like a client that will come to us and have a very specific problem to solve. And you probably are, everybody has experienced the provider search function, either with your health system that you're like seeing or with your insurance company. And I don't know a single person who has actually said that was a beautiful experience and so easy to navigate. And we have, we'll have um, clients come to us and say, well, part of my problem is like my provider data management, right? Like I can't keep 
the data accurate. It's such a laborious process. We're making actually making phone calls to offices to get information. So we'll talk about something like very specific to that to say like, well, let's automate that process and get you know your providers into a, a portal and facilitate that. But then it also enables us to have a conversation with them around and how are you gauging your patients and members and are you connecting them to culturally aligned caregivers? Do you even know and physicians? Do you even know how to identify them? And oh, by the way, there's this amazing startup called Hued. We'd love to connect you to the founder, this wonderful woman named Kimberly Wilson. I brought her card <laughs> um, and help, which is like really beneficial to helping kind of these legacy organizations who have just been thinking very specifically around process and the way they've always done it, mm. think more broadly about how they engage the people that they serve in a meaningful way. Things that's coming up for me is like, okay, if I'm going into my, I don't know, my network and I'm trying to identify who's going to be my primary care or my OBGYN or whatnot, I'm like, I have my preferences. I would like to see a woman doctor, I think. I'm like, if I was a Spanish as a first language, I'd be looking for somebody who spoke Spanish and like maybe some other cultural cues that would go to. So are you guys making or have an ability to make that easier to kind of narrow down who would be the best fit for me? Yeah, well, I would say from a bounteous perspective, where we sit within kind of that solution process is design and visioning. Okay. How might we? A lot of that kind of conversation. And then also, like I said, connecting our clients with partners. They don't have to do it themselves. There's a lot of amazing, and I would say women, right? Yeah. Who are designing solutions for issues that personally impact them. And they're bringing those solutions to market. Many of them are on in the startup pavilion. And I spent a lot of time there talking to them. They, they're all amazing. They all have personal experiences that have driven mm -hmm. you know, the work that they're doing. And like our clients don't need to have all the answers. They can look to partnership and they can look to like to innovation to do that. I just love that as a theme in general of like how important it is to collaborate and not feel like you have to do everything yourself because I don't know, we're just this very individualistic society of like, why do we feel like we have to do it all? Like it's, we're so much better working together. I completely agree. And <laughs> I love to say to my clients, you know, great minds don't think alike. Oh, I love that. And we, yes. And we need to be kind of leveraging that brain power and, and, and I, I went, I'll go back to this to say, you know, there's this like, like shared experiences is powerful and we shouldn't, but we also at the same time shouldn't anticipate that you and I have the same experience. We're looking for the same kind of caregiver. We have the same needs when we're out doing like a provider search. Yeah. But there are a lot of shared experiences that we can get aligned on and that drives kind of that innovation and problem solving. So yeah. it's great. So can we take a step back? I want to know more if you're willing to share mm -hmm. about you personally. Yes. Where do we begin? I'm totally, yes. <laughs> well, it's so easy to talk about yourself, yeah, isn't right? it? Like, how did you get to where you are? That's like, a story I can tell. Okay, let's hear that. <laughs> so, well, I will just say, like, I'm based out of Washington, D.C., which I feel like, and people will be shocked to hear this, is kind of becoming like an epicenter for innovation and health. That's not surprising, yeah. actually, to There's me. There's been a, a massive convergence between, like, public sector, public health care, and commercial health care, especially, you know, amplified over the last three years from the pandemic that we've all been living sure. through. And so I've been in healthcare for 20 years completely by design. Did you know when you, like, you're like one of those people, like, I know I want to be in this industry from what age? Um, I would say 
about, I went to graduate school, kind of had that revelation around 25. Okay. With really focused on um, public health um, economics. So <laughs> that's, that's about like, as specific. That's very specific. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> yes, it was great. Um, and it's been a winding path to kind of landing where I am, but the industry has evolved so much in the last 20 years. Um, but it has always excited me and I've always like stayed engaged. Was there anything specific that like put you down that path? Like there, and no sort of aha wake up moment that it was just like healthcare economics is where it's at? I would say like disparity okay. was a driving factor for me. And that at that point in my life, it wasn't just of what was happening in this country, but what, what was happening globally. Okay. And then <laughs> I'm going to totally date myself. I, right? wanna, I don't care. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to date myself. <laughs> but um, I wrote my dissertation on like the digital divide and how digital access to health is um, kind of driving disparity or further compounding disparity. And I wrote it from the perspective of AOL. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long time that ago. That is a long okay. time ago. <laughs> but I've always had kind of an affinity for that. Was there any country in particular, like if it was non-US based, like were you were you somewhere where that was showing up or was it through knowing somebody? I was living in the UK at the time. Okay. And like really kind of understanding um like single payer and national health system model. Mm -hmm. And the very like, I would say stark or like obvious differences away around how, um, you know, care is accessed versus the United States. Yep. Where we have obviously not single payer. Um, and I, I was just, you know, we were really, I was living in the UK. So I experienced that myself. Like I, I took this journey to Southeast Asia when I was living there. Cause why not? Um, as a student and right there, right. cause they're cause, super connected. Yes. Like why, would, <laughs> why wouldn't you go do a European trip? Well, You're like well, Southeast well, Asia yeah. makes yeah. way more sense. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. But I had every one of my travel immunizations for free when I was living there, um, which was, I have, like subsequently traveled the same region all these years later, went through that immunization process. I paid a lot of money yeah. for those. Yeah. So that's, and that's so basic. And so like, so at the surface, I mean, it's it's far more complicated no, than that. No, but it really does address like patient experience. It and does. you know, when you're, what is it that an individual experiences mm -hmm. as they go through. I did a, did you do a study abroad or were you studying over there? Like I did a study abroad, which made me fall in love with the country. And then that's why I went to graduate Where school. were you? I was at Queens College undergrad. And then I studied at the London School of Economics and Political Science for my graduate work. Yeah. I did a study abroad in Swansea, Wales. <gasps> nice. I freaking loved it. And I was like, I don't ever want to come home. I love it I here. Mean, it's accents, so beautiful. Right? I like know. <laughs> and most randomly, that's where I learned how to surf. And I'm from... California. That's and cold. It's so yeah. cold there. But basically, you, well, because the friends of mine were just like, you're from California. It does not make any sense that you don't know how to surf. You're learning now. That's. And then I went home with the skill set. And then my whole mind, that changed my life, actually. Did it really? Yeah, totally. Just like having that like relationship and connection with the water? Well, or? that and it kicked off a whole career path because when I was an English major and then ended up working, my first job was at a surfing magazine. And it was like a surfing girls magazine. So I got to like environment, women empowerment, and like surfing. I was like, this is the life. <laughs> you nailed it. Too bad you're sitting in this yeah. like 14,000 person conference in a tiny little booth with me right now. Well, you know what? This is the life too. You can't it is. This is pretty awesome too. <laughs> I'll just like go back for a second. Um, I will say to like my personal experience, because 
It's amazing how life evolves. You get older. Yep. I have three children who are all neurodiverse. So that has become like an incredible like challenge and a completely different experience with navigating healthcare for them in this country. And three years ago or two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. So I like just onset kind of out of the blue. So now I'm one of like 3.4 million people in this country who's living with epilepsy and managing like a chronic condition. And my experience and my relationship with the entire health ecosystem like changed on a dime. So I'm, I now have this personal like perspective, managing the health of my children, managing my own health, making, I'm like the primary decision maker. I carry the health insurance, which is not uncommon because I think it's something like 80% of women make all the healthcare decisions for their children and their families and usually their parents or another family member. And then this one, this is a statistic that blows my mind. So I, I've kind of like hung on to it in my head, which is 60% of women, regardless of whether they're married or not, or they have children, make healthcare decisions for another person in their life, which is like amazing yeah. to me. Are you open to talking about some of the challenges? Oh, that, absolutely. Because oh, yes. three neurodivergent kids, yes. like what is that like? What do you have to take into consideration? And oh, yeah. The navigation I can imagine is a very winding path, Yes, I'm guessing. It is very winding. Every single one of them has like a primary care physician, which thank God we were able to get them all like into the same like office, which is great. But they all see, have some kind of therapy happening, whether it's like occupational therapy, speech and language, and then social emotional is a, is a, you know, they're all like varying degrees of neurodiversity. So that is finding, I mean, I think, I think, I feel like the world knows now that there's like a very significant supply and demand issue with access to mental and behavioral health services. Yes. And I'll just call, say for what it is, but health insurance companies have like very significant, significant network inadequacy. I personally have been in a battle for like the last year with a health insurance provider around recognizing my children's behavioral health and mental health providers as in network because they're currently out of network. Every in-network provider either doesn't specialize in pediatrics and adolescents or they have a waiting list that's like a year and a half long. And that just doesn't serve. Like that just what will not it, work. So what option does that give you? Like invest heavily in your health savings account? Like and use that? Like what do you do? I mean, yes. And, you know, you are investing heavily in a health savings account if you can afford to do that. Exactly. I think like, the adoption of health savings accounts, and do not quote me on the stat, but it's incredibly low. It's like... 12% of people who have them available to them fund them. Oh, well, right, yeah. It's definitely under 20%. And I think like the average contribution sits somewhere around like $2,000 a year. And that's often driven by like a provider contribution. And or a, excuse a, me, an employer, employer contribution. contribution. Yeah. And if you're, try, if you're on the volume that you're needing it, that's a drop in the bucket, I'm right. sure. It is a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So three kids, you know, we're making, we, and they don't take insurance, right? So you have to go through the whole process of like out of pocket payment, filing a claim, getting paid on and out, paid back by your insurance provider as an out of network, which is some, but not all. And then I'm educated woman in who works in this space. And I have to go through that process of like continuous appeal to get there. And there are a lot of people who don't have the time or the financial security to be able to take that kind of endeavor on. I mean, it sounds like you're just like in a constant battle. How much like, do you put your armor on every day and like ready? Yes, and my, my children have other needs like around prescription drugs and, and other specialists. I have my own needs around prescription drugs, medication and disease management, and then like seeing my specialists and navigating that. It's as basic as being like, oh crap, my kid needs to go on this field trip and I have not like 
pulled up their immunization record and I need to give it to the school and like frantically trying to log into the portal or find your provider insurance number that you have to write on the field trip form because it doesn't sit in your digital wallet. Mm. Why? I have no idea. Really? (laughs) We should talk to somebody about that. I know, I mean, we should. But just navigating kind of that disparity. And then I would say it just like really compounded when you're in a health crisis, which unfortunately I've been in a health crisis with my families on multiple occasions with a child who's been admitted to the hospital. And I mean, like you're trying to remember if you enrolled insurance for like, the hospital like indemnity program where you're getting $100 a day and you're trying to fill out administration forms and talk to people at your insurance company and decipher what it is that you know, your provider's telling you and be a caregiver to your child. These are the kinds of conversations and insights that the experience should mm-hmm. be at the table where yeah. decisions are being made yes. so that we can like just be more cognizant and yes. like thoughtful. So, and around the partnerships, right? right? So like, are you able to infuse any of this expertise that from your personal experience into Bounteous? And yes. Like, and I'm really open about it. So I've started writing like thought leadership pieces that are like are anchored in my experiences as a woman who's Good. a primary caregiver. And I actually am going to shortly be writing about there's three moments in my life where I had like real health crises, one with my child, two with me. And the loneliness and the isolation and like this, these caregivers who were amazing, but with whom I had no personal connection. And not once, not once in all three of those instances was my mental health considered part of the overall care plan. And it's such an issue. I have like, in retrospect now, I'm like, wow, I was like really depressed after I was diagnosed with Epilepsy. Sure. That's like a huge, like your life has changed forever. And like, I didn't, nobody said, take care of that. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, and also just like sit with it. How do you find peace with that? Right. right? You're like, oh, I've got some of this like crazy news and now I'm just carrying it with me. And like how you're supposed to just pretend like everything's normal. Right. Well, and, and I will say like, I know enough about that. I work in this space. So I know change is slow and hard or it has historically been. I have now an experience that says like, why? Why does this have to be so difficult to change? Yeah. We need to open ourselves up to that. And I, I'm I'm going to give another plug to another startup that's here. Let's hear it. Today, because she's amazing. So we have a founder, her name's Taylor J. Hobbs. Her company is Comfort Quest. She's really focused on pediatrics right now, but she's producing like relevant content, like child, children, adolescent relevant content to facilitate like the admission process into a children's hospital. Oh, that's really fantastic. Yes. Yes. That's great. So that children can get a sense of like what you're, you know, headed into. But the amazing part of it is it engages a child in their care plan. So do I want like hugs? Do I want, I mean, places where they can make really meaningful decisions about how they want to be cared for and communicated with, even as like a four or a five-year-old, I mean, that's a life lesson. That like, reminds me of like the teachers when the, they they have the options for the kids yes. coming in the classroom. Yeah. Like you want a high five, you want a fist bump, you want a hug, like that's similar. I mean, I had an awesome conversation with her yesterday where I was like, you know, this is incredible and she's piloting right now at the Children's Hospital and I hope it just goes like tremendously. And I was telling her, I was like, I'm talking to my clients a lot about culturally relevant or like relevant content to their audience. And I'm always like, as a mom, 
my kids, the first thing they ask me when I make a well visit for them is, am I getting shots? Yeah, scary. Am I getting shots? Mm-hmm. I mean, even my 14-year-old's like, am I getting shots? <laughs> I'm getting my flu shot and COVID booster today. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm getting shots in wow, a couple you hours. you are just like leaning into that I hard. Am. I am. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I don't know, right? So, so I'm like, what if when I was making an appointment online, there was some content in collaboration with like Go Noodle or Brain Pop, which are amazing educational children's platforms that my kids are like, love. They are like little facts, you know, like monkeys, encyclopedias, because they love these two applications. It's like, why can't we, why isn't there content that says like, hey, this is your sixth year, like child well visit. This is what's going to happen. You are getting three shots today. This is how it's going to feel. And just kind of be straight with them. Yeah. Versus their mom, like sweating, like I am and saying, I don't know if you're getting shots. And then like Googling, you know, Dr. Google to tell me if there's images. Oh, I love that. I love that idea. And that's great. I want to kind of bring it back to this health conversation. You had mentioned before we started talking about, what is it, the impact at health? There's a women's impact program here at health. How are you involved or how is Bounteous involved? Bounteous is involved. We've decided this year to be a sponsor. I can tell you about how we got to that point in a little bit but which has been tremendous because there's a number of programs this week that health is running that are specific to the Women Impact Program. There's also a lot of opportunities for women who are here to build community. So there was a dinner on a, what day is it? Sunday night, I know. Yesterday, there was a luncheon. We had some amazing speakers from startups um, and what that experience is like. Last night, actually, we, Bounteous was able to host, we just like a happy hour, but we kind of like built this network along the way. We were like collecting women in health to come and attend. And now I will say we're kind of like, you know, moving as a pack or like sub-packs throughout the conference. We're pugs, like, you know, we're all built. That community is so important, especially in a, in a, industry like this and in a a conference like this. 100%. And the thing is, it's really important. And there's more than one. That's the other part. I mean, there's no way for, I think there's maybe 10 to 15,000 people here or something along that. It's not like everybody, you're going to get everybody at the same happy hour. It's impossible. Yes. But just the feeling and the vibe of knowing that we're here with and for each other and just like the camaraderie, like it's palpable. It's super empowering. I think it like drives the power of participation women show up like more emboldened to say, I'm here and I have an idea and I'm going to do it when they know they're backed by a community that does have shared experiences of whether that's like a professional experience or a health experience. So, Well, Katie, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been great to get to know you. If people want to follow you or get involved in Bounteous Partner in some way, how would you direct them? I would say LinkedIn is the easiest way to to find me. It is where you can follow me there. It's where I'm um, publishing some of our thought leadership and making some great connections. But you can also find us at Bounteous.com and connect with me in that way as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. This was great. Yes, I appreciate it. A great time. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.